Tov, hello. Uh, we are now beginning Hilchot Merila and Hanukkah. Uh, this is the last uh, section of Halachot uh, before uh, before the end of Sefer Zemanim, the third book, uh, the third volume of the Mishneh Torah, uh, dealing with the laws of uh, the different Muadim, the different misfot uh, uh, that have to do with various times throughout the year, the holidays and so forth. Um, the last of which is the laws of Purim and Hanukkah. Um, before we begin, I'll read the uh, the the uh, title of the section. Hilchot Merila v'Hanukkah. Yesh bichlel an shtei misvot ase midivrei soferim ve'enan min haminyan uveur shtei misvot elu bifrakim elu. So the, the laws of Merila and Hanukkah they include two misvot uh, ase two positive commandments from the words of the scribes, and they are not included in the count of 613 misvot. And the explanation of these two misvot are in the following chapters. Um, I will say about this, uh, uh, first of all, it is interesting to note that Rabbeinu calls this section Hilchot Megillah and Hanukkah. Uh, you would think it should be Hilchot Purim Hanukkah or Hilchot Megillah Vener Hanukkah, right? Uh, Merila is the primary, the recitation of the Merila, as we will see, is the primary commandment uh, that pertains to Purim. Uh, and Hanukkah is the time period of, uh, of, of the holiday of Hanukkah. The primary mitzvah would be Ner Hanukkah. And it seems that uh, these two mitzvot are not parallel one to the other. Um, it's an interesting observation. I have an idea, though I would be happy to hear if any of you have uh, any other ideas. Um, but I'll give my my thoughts on this. Uh, as we will see, the primary uh, mitzvah of Hanu'av Purim is the recitation of the Merila. And uh, the first two chapters which deal with Purim, as opposed right, there are four chapters in this section. The first two chapters deal with Purim. The second two chapters, or the last two chapters, deal with Hanukkah. Uh, the first the chapter will deal only with the recitation of Merilat Esther, and the second chapter also will primarily be dealing with that, and only at the end will deal with the other obligations of Purim. On the other hand, the last two chapters that begin with Hanukkah, we'll see that uh, the primary mitzvah, which is the Ner Hanukkah, the light, the the lights of Hanukkah that we are obligated to light uh, is listed along with the uh, the mitzvah of Hallel, of reciting the Hallel on Hanukkah. And that is why I understand uh, him to say uh, Merila and Hanukkah, as we will see when we get to the third chapter and begin to talk about the laws of Hanukkah. Um, Another point that I will add, uh, so this section includes two uh, positive commandments uh, from the words of the scribes, and they are not counted in the count of 613 uh, mitzvot. Right? This, uh, if uh, you can uh, see in greater length in Rambam's Sefer mitzvot, where he gives a long count of all 613 mitzvot, uh, in addition to an introduction, which includes principles about how to go about doing that count. The first of his 14 principles is that uh, 
we do not count mitzvot that are rabbinically legislated. We only count mitzvot that are from the Torah. And as neither Merilah nor Hanukkah is in the Torah as received from Moshe at Sinai, they are not included within the 613 mitzvot. Uh, and there have been people who have, mis have mistakenly counted them in the past. Um, Rabbeinu here tells us that they should not be counted. Okay, with that, uh, I will begin uh, a section. So I said the first two chapters will be dealing with the laws of Purim. The second two chapters will be dealing with the laws of Hanukkah. This chapter will be uh, will begin with uh, the mitzvah of Kiryat Merilah, of rec reciting Megillat Esther on Purim, and the proper time in which we uh, we do that recitation. Okay. Elchot Merilah, Perek Aleph. Halacha Aleph. Periat Hamerilah Bismana, Miswat Ase, mit Divre Soferim, who had Devarim Yeduim. The recitation of the Merilah in its proper time is, an, is a positive commandment from the words of the scribes, and the matter is known that it is an institution of the Nevi'im. Uh, right, so we, I already uh, explained in the beginning uh, what it means for it to be a mitzvah aseh from the words of the scribes. Um, the, it is interesting here also to note that he says that it is instituted by the prophets. Uh, if you, uh, a second place in addition to the introduction to Sefer HaMitzvot, uh, if, you look, if you remember the introduction to the Mishneh Torah, uh, which uh, is at the beginning of, the, of this book, uh, at the end of his list, he has a short list of the mitzvot. At the end of his list of uh, mitzvot lo ta'aseh, of the uh, negative of the prohibitions from the Torah. He has uh, a list, a, a short list of mitzvot that are that that were instituted after Matan Torah, after receiving the Torah at Sinai. Uh, there's a short number of, of mitzvot that were instituted since then, including Megillah and including Ner Hanukkah. And there he says that this is done by a navi with his bedin, right, by a prophet and his bedin and his court. Um, and it is interesting to see that a Navi, Dafka, uh, specifically a Navi is, is uh, em emphasized here. Um, and right, and this is not because the Navi receives this mitzvah from God in any way, shape, or form, which would be a prohibition of uh, Bal Tosif, but rather uh, because of their authority that they received from the Torah to institute laws as they see fit. Um, and as such, we do not see a pasuk uh, that is the source of the recitation of Merilah. Right? It is easy to be led astray and to think that uh, the obligation to recite the Merilah stems from a pasuk in Megillat Esther, and that is incorrect because Merilat Esther is not the Torah, it is a later book. Rather, the the uh, authority to institute the recitation of Merilah stems from the Torahs giving the court the authority to do so. Okay, with that I will continue. 
and everyone is obligated in its recitation, men, women, converts, and freed slaves, and we raise our children, uh, we raise children to recite it. Um, right, again, raising uh, children uh, in mitzvot is something that uh, comes very often throughout halacha, uh, throughout the Torah Shebe'alpeh. Um, children are not obligated in the mitzvot, yet we do try to raise them in fulfilling them. And even Kohanim, uh, even priests who are in the uh, in the middle of their of the temple worship um, or the temple service, uh, they uh, stop their service. Right? They stop. Uh, they stop their service and they come to hear the recitation of the Merila. Uh, and so too, um, we stop the study of Torah in order to hear the Mikra Merila, to hear the recitation of the Merila. Uh, all the more so for all other commandments of the Torah, right? As uh, um, as all the mitzvot are equated to Talmud Torah, to the study of Torah, uh, right? So if Talmud Torah, if the study of Torah is uh, is postponed because of the recitation of Megillah, then all the more so all other commandments of the Torah, they are all postponed because of the recitation of the Megillah. And there is nothing that uh, post that the recitation of Merila is postponed because of it, except for a corpse that does not have anyone to bury it. That if you happen upon it, you bury it first and then recite. Both the reciter and the person who hears from the reciter, both of them fulfill their obligation. So long as the person hearing, the person hears it from someone who is also obligated in its recitation. Therefore, if the person reciting was a child or a person who has lost their sanity, uh, both of whom are patur, are exempt from all mitzvot in the Torah, the person who hears from them does not fulfill his obligation. The obligation, the mitzvah, is to recite all of it, right? To recite the entirety of the uh, of Merilat Esther. Umiswa lekrotha balayla uvayom. Vechol halayla kasher lekriat halayla. Vechol hayom kasher lekriat hayom. And the uh, the obligation is to recite it. Uh, the obligation is to recite it at night and in the day, right? To recite it twice. And the entirety of the night is valid. For the recitation of the night, and the entirety of the day is valid for the recitation of the day. 
שלוש ברכות. And we bless before, prior to its recitation at night, three ברכות, three blessings. ברוך אתה השם אלוהינו מלך העולם, אשר פדשנו במסורותיו פוסבנו על מקרא מרלה. Blessed are you, Adonai, our God, ruler of the universe, who has sanctified us, who has made us holy in his commandments, and has commanded us in the recitation of מרלה. Right, and as I mentioned in the beginning, um, the authority for the Bet-Din to institute uh, in mitzvot as they see fit comes from the Torah itself. As it says, Lo tasur, uh, Do not stray from anything which they shall, say, they shall say to you right or left. Right, As that is their source, uh, as that, since the source of authority for instituting mitzvot comes from the Torah, which comes from God, uh, indirectly the mitzvah of recitation of Merilah is also included within the law that God has given us, uh, as we are obligated by God to listen to uh, uh, the authority of the Beit Din. Uh, and therefore we can say, who has made us holy in his commandments and has commanded us in the recitation of Merila. Uh, okay, the second blessing. Baruch Atta Hashem Eloheinu Melech HaOlam She'asa Nisim La'avotheinu Bayyamim Ha'hem Bazeman Hazeh Blessed are you, Adonai, our God, uh, ruler of the universe, who has performed miracles for our Nisim, for our uh, ancestors in those days, at this time, right? in those days in the past, at this time, meaning at this time of the year, uh, at the time of, uh, in which we read the Merila. The third blessing, Blessed are you, Adonai, our God, ruler of the universe, um, who has brought us to live, to exist, and to reach this time. Uh, right, this Bercha, uh, right, we should never take it for granted uh, any day that we are alive, uh, right? Any of us at any, at any moment uh, can pass away, God forbid, uh, and therefore we should always thank God that we reach uh, any day that we reach, uh, especially when we have the Zichut to hear uh, the mitzvah like Mikra uh, Merila. Right, in the day, we do not repeat and bless uh, the third blessing of Shehayanu. Right, and a place which, has, which had the practice to bless after it, right, after the recitation, blesses the following. Blessed are you, uh, Lord Adonai, our God, a ruler of the universe, who fights our fights, judges our judgments, avenges, avenges our vengeances, uh, redeems us from our adversaries, and exact retribution 
uh, from our enemies. Uh, blessed are you, Adonai, our God, uh, who redeems his nation, Israel, from all of their adversaries. Uh, God, our Redeemer, uh, the Redeemer. Okay. Uh, with that, we uh, have uh, now finished uh, the set, uh, first part where he deals with what the what the Hagdarav the Mitzvah is, what the uh, what the what the commandment is, and now uh, we are dealing with the proper time in which to recite the uh, Merila. What is the time of its recitation? Uh, they instituted many times, uh, in, uh, many, there are many, many times that they instituted for its recitation, as it says, in their times. Uh, right? It doesn't say uh, right? in their time. Uh, it says in their times. And these are uh, the times of its recitation. Right. Uh, so these are the times of its recitation. Uh, any city, right? Um, there are many words here that will mean city. So I, uh, I will give uh, an introduction of what the words are. I'll be used, and I will define them um, as we as we see them. Uh, and then after that, I will just be using the Hebrew words in my translation. So that so to not cause confusion uh, in hearing the word city over and over again, right? So any Medina, right? A Medina or any Medina, any city that is enwalled, right, is surrounded by a wall in the day that was surrounded by a wall in the days of Yehoshua Abinun, right? When we entered into Eretz Israel, um, whether uh, in Israel or outside of Israel. Even though it does not have a wall now, recites on the fifteenth of Adar. Right, the people who live in that city recite on the fifteenth of Adar. Umdina zo i hanikret kerach. And so, in this Medina, right? Medina is the general term for cities. Under Medina, we will have kerach, and we will have ir. Uh, so a uh, so a city that has a that had a wall during the times of Yoshua bin Nun is what is known as is, is what is called a kerach. Kerach uh, uh, means enwalled city. Um, uh, like like in Pesach where we have korech, uh, which is a wrap, right? So so too a kerach here is a city that is enwrapped or surrounded. By a homa, by a wall, and any city, the whole Medina, 
right? Again, the general term, any Medina uh, that was not uh, surrounded by a city, by a wall uh, during the days of Yehoshua, even though uh, it, it is surrounded by a wall today or, or now, uh, they recite on the 14th. And this Medina is what is called an ir, right? Uh, right? So this Medina is called an ir. So we have Medina, which is a general term. And under Medina, we have a kerach or an ir. A kerach is one that is uh, surrounded by a wall. And an ir is one that is not surrounded by a wall. Uh, the definition of ir will become a little bit uh, more precise in a little bit uh, when we start to compare it with a kefar or a village. Alakha hey. Shushan habira af alpi shelloha yetha mukefet homa bime yehushua pinnun orein bahmisha asar. Shushan, the capital city, or right, the capital of Persia during uh, the time of Mordechai uh, and the Ster. Right? So Shushan, the capital, even though uh, it was not uh, surrounded by a wall in the days of Yehoshua bin Nun, right? so it should not be treated like a Ke'ach, it recites on the 15th anyway. Shebahaya Hanes Shinne'emar Right, so they recite on they recite on the fifteenth anyway, because the miracle occurred there, as it says, and they rested on the fifteenth of it, right in that of of Adar of the month. Wellamma talu hadavar bime Yehoshua. Why did they connect the matter or make it dependent upon the days of Yehoshua, right? Uh, since we're saying that Chushan is treated uh, is uh, is where the miracle happened, you could have thought that they should have uh, said any city that uh, was enwalled during the times of Chushan uh, during the times of the miracle, uh, which is not what they did. They connected it with Kibusha uh, Aretz, with the conquest of uh, Israel uh, in the days of Yoshua. Right. So why did they do so? In order to give honor to Eretz Israel, to the land of Israel, which was destroyed at that time, so that those cities recite like the residents of Shushan, that they would be considered as if they were in walled kirachim, in walled uh, in walled cities, even though they are now destroyed, uh, since they were in walled in the days of Yehoshua. In this way, there will be a memory of for Eretz Israel through this miracle, uh, which occurred in. Again, 
so residents of villages. So now we have a new word, kifarim, uh, which I will uh, translate as villages. Uh, that uh, do that uh, only uh, gather in the synagogues on Mondays and uh, Thursdays uh, to hear the recitation of the Torah as was instituted by Moshe Rabbeinu. They instituted for them that they can push it earlier and recite on the day of gathering, right on the Mondays or Thursdays. Hisad, how is this so? Im hal asar so if the 14th falls on a Monday or a Thursday, then they read on that same day. And if it falls on any day other than Monday or Thursday, then they push it earlier and recite on the Monday or Thursday that is the closest to the 14th. Uh, Rabbeinu will explain what that means now in Halakha Zayin. Law 7. Kesad, Hal Arba'a Asar Lihiyot Be'echad Be'Shabbat Ma'dimin Be'Qura'in Be'Hamishi Shehu Yom Ahad Asar Hal Lihiyot Be'Shelishi Qura'in Be'Shini Shehu Yom Shelosha Asar and so how is this so? Uh, explaining the law that we just read in the Chavav. If the 14th falls on a Sunday, on the on the first day of the weekend of the week, right? Uh, Shabbat here means week. If it falls on a Sunday, then we push it back earlier and recite on Thursday, uh, which is um, the 11th. <coughs> that is the most recent Yom Kenisai, the most recent day of gathering uh, before uh, that Sunday. If it falls on the 13th, right? If the 14th falls on the uh, if it falls on a Tuesday, sorry. If the 14th falls on a Tuesday, then we recite on Monday, which is the 13th. If it falls on a Wednesday, then we recite on Monday, which is the 12th of Adha. And all of these where we push it back earlier and recite prior to the 14th, we do not recite if uh, there are less than 10 people. Right, since we saw that this uh, institution was done by Hachamim in order to um, in order to to make it easier on the people who lived in Kifarim, uh, in the villages that did not have uh, uh, did not gather in the synagogue uh, every day. Um, so therefore, if on Monday or Thursday they do not have those ten people, then uh, they should not read it on that day. Rather, they should push it off until the 14th. Um, okay. <clears throat> I will note uh, 
So uh, I'll, I'll read Halakha Chet and then I will say a note. I'll say, I'll make a comment. Halakha Chet. Kefar she'en nikhnasin bo basheni v'hamishi en qor'in othah illa b'arba'asar. A village that uh, does not gather on the on Monday or Thursday. They do not recite. They they recite it on the fourteenth, right? As we said. Ve'ir she'en bah asarabat lanin kevuin beveta keneset lesorkesi bur rahi kichvar umakdimin vekorin biyom kenisa uim en ba'ir asarab ne adam takanat vokal kalato varehem ki anche ir gedola ve'en korin illa be'arba asar. Right in a city, right. Uh, I will remind everyone that uh, this ir is the word that we saw earlier of a city that is not in walled. A city that does not have 10 patlanin that are fixed in the Beth Knesset, uh, in the synagogue, for uh, the needs of the public. I'll explain in a moment what these patlanim are. This is considered like a kefar, like a village uh, that pushes it back earlier and recites on the day of gathering. Um, okay. Uh, but Lenin are, uh, Rabbeinu has a teshuvah where he explains uh, what these are. And these are people who uh, are uh, available uh, to leave their work at any given moment so that they can come and deal with the public needs of the community and are uh, 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 in in the Beit Knesset, in, in the synagogue. Um, they are not people who do not have any work, and therefore uh, we see in the Yerushalmi it says, Batlanin mim melachtan, velo batlanin she'en lehen melacha. Right, we see that they, they can't, they stop their work, and not that they stop and they don't have work. Um, and this, uh, I think is also something that Rabbeinu himself might have changed his opinion on, as you, you can see he has a discrepancy between how he explains it in his commentary to the Mishnah and how he explains it in uh, that Teshuvah. Um, right, so if they do not have those, those 10 people who are fi fixed in uh, the synagogue for the purposes of the community, then they are like a kefar, uh, and they push it back earlier to recite on the day of gathering. Uh, if uh, and if the city does not have does not even have ten people, then its fix is its. Uh, um, is what uh, messes it up for it, right? The, the, the same thing that makes it be judged as a kefar, right? The fact that it doesn't have the 10 batlanim, it makes it be judged like a kefar like, and read it and bring it back earlier. That same thing is what makes it go back and read on the 14th. Um, because we said by a kefar also that a kefar that does not have a Minyan that does not have 10 people does not read it earlier, but rather waits until the 14th. And so to a city that does not have 10 people, um, 
they would uh, they they are like the members of a uh, large city and they only recite on the 14th um, I'll make a comment here uh, that as I was reading it I uh, I asked myself this uh, of what is the precise uh, distinction between a kifar and an ir uh, since you right, it is not is apparently not a matter of size since you have an ir that does not even have 10 people um, right so uh, if you can have a city that does not even have 10 people so it is seemingly not just a matter right I would think that that should be called a kefar and not an ir. Um, and uh, Mori Gafir, uh, Yosef Kafir, the Yemenite, the Yemenite rabbi, wrote a, a very excellent commentary on the Mishneh Torah, uh, points out here that this situation of bene uh, kefarim that was mentioned in Al-Chavav of people who live in villages uh, is a situation that was known in Yemen where you had uh, certain villages that were small enough that they did not have 10 people there to have a minyan. And they had to go to villages uh, that were close to them on Mondays and Thursdays. They would go on Mondays and Thursdays in order to hear the Torah. And so too, they would go on Shabbat. Uh, they would have an Eruv that would allow them to go to Beth Knesset, to the synagogue on Shabbat uh, as well. Um, and they did not pray in their own kifar, in their own village. Uh, the ear, on the other hand, uh, as I understand it, uh, recites in that same ear, right? They don't have a, uh, they do not have a place that is, uh, they do not go and read somewhere else uh, on Mondays and Thursdays. Um, and with that, uh, the distinction becomes clear and all of these halachot as well become clear. Um, right, in what case, in what scenario are we referring to in which we push it earlier and recite on the day of gathering? Right, in a time that Israel has sovereignty, right, that has uh, sovereignty over itself in the land of Israel, and has uh, and has and enforces the mitzvot uh, in its in in the land. But in our times, Right, but in this time, in our in our days, we we only recite it in its proper time, which is the fourteenth and the fifteenth. The members or the residents of villages of kefarim and of cities of ayarot, right? They recite on the fourteenth, and the residents of kerachin of enwalled cities, they recite on the fifteenth. This is a halakha uh, that many people uh, uh, made 
incorrect un, had an incorrect understandings of the, of this halakha, um, and I hope that I will give it its proper explanation. Ben ir shehalach lichrach uven kerach shehalach leir im hayetha daato bhazor limkomo bizman kari a wenif akev velo hazar korekim komo. ואם לא היה בדעתו לחזור, אלא אחר זמן הקריאה, קורה עם, אנש, עם אנשי המקום שהוא שם. A resident of a city, right? Again, we said city is uh, an unwalled city. Uh, a resident of an ear who goes to a kerach, to a walled city. And so too, a resident of a kerach that goes to an ear, or that went. So that went in the past, that went to an ear, if uh, his intention was to return to his original location at the time of reading, I'll come back to these two words of the time of reading, and he was delayed and did not return, he reads uh, like his original location, right? So if he is from a, uh, from a, an ear, right, an unwalled city, and he goes to a walled city, right, so he's from the unwalled city, and he's in the walled city on the 13th during the day, and his intention is to come back to the unwalled city prior to uh, nightfall, but he is delayed and only comes back later. And he comes back after Seta Kochavim. He leaves at 9 p.m. He leaves his, uh, the Kerach to come back to his ear, right? So because his intention was to return to his original location, to the ear, he recites it like the people, the members of the ear, uh, meaning he recites it on the 14th, uh, even though he is currently in a kerach, even though he's currently in a walled city. Um, right? And if it wasn't his intention to return, or if it was if it, his intention was to return only after the the time of recitation again this phrase which i will come to in, in a second then he recites with uh the people of the location that he is there and so if he, his intention was that uh right a person from jerusalem who goes to tel aviv and uh, intends to stay in tel aviv uh to hear the Merila on the 14th, he then becomes obligated to hear the Merila on the 14th. Okay. Uh, many people understood this halakha to mean that, uh, therefore, a person of Jerusalem uh, theoretically can uh, uh, miss the obligation of reciting the Merila, or can miss Purim altogether. If he is in, or sorry, not a person of Jerusalem, a person of, or either way, a person of Jerusalem or a person of Tel Aviv. Okay, so if a person of Jerusalem uh, stays in Jerusalem on the 14th, so he is not obligated on the 14th, and then on the 14th during the day, he goes to Tel Aviv uh, and intends to stay in Tel Aviv at nightfall of the 15th, so then he doesn't read in Jerusalem either because he, at that point he's intending to stay in Tel Aviv. And this is, uh, and and, so, and then he completely misses the mitzvah, and likewise the other way around that a person can be obligated 
in uh, both on the 14th and on the 15th by being in Tel Aviv on the 14th and then coming to Jerusalem on the 15th in order to again hear it. And both of these are incorrect as I understand them. And I hope that I, uh, I'm understanding the Lachat correctly. Uh, and note that, uh, and this is again a comment of uh, Mori Yosef Gafech, uh, note that he says, that Rabbeinu says, if right, and not, and it does not say, right, or uh, right, it says in the general time of recitation, not its time of recitation, meaning not the time of the ir or of the kirach, rather the time of recitation in general. And which time is this? This is the time, the the time of recitation for most cities, which is the ir, which is the 14th. And therefore, uh, the time that uh, dictates whether you are to be treated like a resident of an ir or a resident of a kirach is nightfall of the 14th. So if you're in, if you, you're in, if you are in Tel Aviv and your intention is to return to Jerusalem by the nightfall of before the nightfall of the 14th. So then you are treated like a resident of Jerusalem and you are obligated in the 15th and not the 14th, regardless of where you are at the nightfall of the 15th. And so too, uh, the other way around, a person who is in Jerusalem and is intending to go to Tel Aviv on uh, before nightfall of the 14th. Uh, so then he is treated like a resident of Tel Aviv, uh, both on the 14th and on the 15th. And so too, a person who is uh, in Jerusalem uh, and intends to stay in Jerusalem on the 14th and to come back on uh, the 14th late at night and then stay in Tel Aviv uh, for, the, for the rest of the two days, he is exempt on the 14th and would be obligated on the 15th to recite Merila, uh, even though he is in Jerusalem, is in Tel Aviv at nightfall of the 15th. Uh, the time that establishes it is uh, the nightfall, Seta Kochavim, of the 14th. Okay. Um, this That is the first part of the Halakha. The second part of the Halakha also has uh, had, uh, in my opinion, many misunderstandings, and this too I hope uh, I will say correctly. Um, and a kerach, a walled city, and any uh, any uh, that is uh, any city that is uh, uh, that is next to it, and anything that is seen with it, if it does not, uh, if there is not between them more than two thousand amma, which is about one kilometer, this is like the Kerach, and they recite on the 15th. Right? Uh, this phrase, um, 
also had a number of different understandings of how to understand this phrase. Um, and what led people astray is a uh, an incorrect girsa in the Talmud, uh, which if anyone is interested in looking at that, uh, they can look at the reef on this halakha at the right beginning of Masechet Merila, and they will see that more in detail. Um, but halakha uh, is any, uh, if you have uh, two, uh, you have a, a, a city of Jerusalem, for example, and a city that is uh, right outside of it, think uh, Silwan for people who know Jerusalem, if a person who is standing outside of the city and looks at the city and sees them as if they are one city, right? He considers them as if they are one city when as he's looking at them, right? Even though there is a gap between them, so long as that gap is not more than 2,000 amot, this is considered like a kerach. And you recite it on the 15th, even in that city that is not involved, right? So, um, Right, so you have the old city of Jerusalem has a wall around it, and the whole rest of Jerusalem, right, the, the new part of Jerusalem is not within uh, the city walls. A an outside an outsider who's looking from outside of Jerusalem and looks at Jerusalem sees it all as one connected city, right? It's near e immo, right? It's seen as one connected city. And therefore, it is considered like the Kerach, even though the whole uh, new part of Jerusalem is not uh, included uh, within the city walls. Um, whereas many people were led astray and read this as right? And anything that is seen from it, meaning if you are in Jerusalem, in the old city, and you're able to look out and see the rest of the city, um, then, then it is included within it. This, I think, is an incorrect reading, and the correct reading is as I have said. And so, too, a city, if you have uh, two cities that are very close to each other, even within 2,000 amot, even within one kilometer of each other, but a, an outsider looking in looks at them and sees clearly that they are two separate cities, th even though they are within one kilometer of each other, they would still uh, not be considered as if they are one. And if one of the cities was, if one of them is a Kerach, then the other one would not be considered a Kerach, even though it's within 2,000 Amot, because it is not near e It is not uh, seen as if it is the same city. Okay. Alakha Yodarif. A city, right, again, an ear, right, so an unwall, a, a city that does not have a wall, that, but, sorry, a city that has, but it has a doubt, right, there is a safek, there's a doubt as to, and it is not known if it was involved if it was surrounded by a wall in the days of Yeshua being noon, or if it was surrounded only afterwards, members of that, of that city recite on both days, 
which are the 14th and the 15th, and in their nights, right? So they recite four times. And they bless on its recitation only on the 14th, since it is the time of recitation for most of the world, right? Since most cities are not uh, uh, surrounded by a wall, we, we can we make the assumption that this city is also probably not was also probably not uh, surrounded by a wall, and therefore we make the berachot only on the first day alone. If, uh, they, if we read the Merila in Adar, right, on the 14th or 15th or whatever time is the proper time of that city in Adar, and then uh, when the month ends, the Bet-Din decided, they decided to add another Adar, then we return, then we uh, repeat and, and recite the Merila again in the second Adar in its proper time. Right? Even though they did not know that it was going to, there was going to be Adar, a second Adar, um, and they read it, and they read it on the first Adar, they do it again on the second Adar. We do not recite the Mechila on Shabbat as a Gezera, as a decree, lest a person carry it in his hand and walk or, and, and go to someone who is proficient in reciting it. And he will have transported the Merila for a moth in a public domain, which is a biblical prohibition, as we have seen in, in Hilchot Shabbat. Right, this Gezerah uh, of uh, not reading the Merila on Shabbat is also uh, a similar Gezerah that we have seen with regards to both Shofar on, of Rosh Hashanah that falls on Shabbat, where they also made a decree to not blow the shofar on Rosh Hashanah, uh, not blow the shofar on Rosh Hashanah that falls on Shabbat, and so too for Sukkot, uh, we do not notel et lulav. We do not take the lulav on Sukkot that falls on Shabbat for the same reason. Um, and as everyone is obligated in its recitation, but not everyone is proficient in its recitation, right? So you may take your your personal merila and bring it to someone who is proficient in reciting it so that they can recite it for you. Therefore, if, uh, if it fell, if the time of its recitation fell on Shabbat, we push it back earlier and recite it uh, prior to Shabbat, right? meaning on Friday. Uh, we will see uh, 
explanation of this in the next halacha. Wishu'alin with the Rishin Bilchot Purim Beotha Shabbat, Gedelahazkir Shahu Purim. Right, and we ask and teach the laws of Purim on that same Shabbat, which is the 14th, in order to remind, as a, as a reminder, that it is Purim. Right, because we can't read the Merillah, so we study the laws of Purim to rem remember that it is Purim. Alcha Yudalit. Kesad, how is this, how how is this so? Right, if the fourteenth of Adar falls on Shabbat, then the re residents of the Ayarot of the cities, the unwalled cities, bring it early, push it earlier, and recite on Erev Shabbat on Friday. And uh, the people, the residents of walled cities, recite it in its uh, in its proper time on Sunday, which is the fifteenth. If uh, the 15th falls on a Shabbat, then the residents of the Kerachim, uh, who, are who are supposed to have read it on Shabbat on the 15th, bring it back earlier and recite on Erev Shabbat on Friday, uh, which is the 14th. And the residents of the cities of the Ayarot recite it on that same day, which is their proper time, meaning on Friday, which is the 14th, as they were supposed to read it. When you say kol and it ends up being that everyone recited it on the 14th. That's the end of Eric Aleph, and we will start Perik Bet tomorrow.